Previously on Anything Goes. I think that's just because of the expansion of television. There's so many more shows. Oh, now. Yeah, There's course. so much that you There's can... too much. Yeah, I, I couldn't possibly watch all the shows I want to. But I will say this, there's too much, but I've said a few times, even on this show, that I watch way more television now. I've probably watched more television in the last two years than I have in 15 years. With all the shows that are, are on, the HBO and the Showtime and the Super Channel, yeah. shows like Homeland, Newsroom... Well, Dexter. television is so much better now, too, though. It's, I, it's, I it's agree. A, it's like 20, if you watch shows from like 20 years ago, it's it's hard, it's impossible to find up a show, find a show that stands up to any of the shows But that even are legitimate television, meaning not, uh, not legitimate, that's terrible, but not uh, not cable, like The Law and Order, those were amazing shows. Fantastic you shows. Know? Uh, I can't remember a time in my 30s that I watched television at all. Well, that's what's going on with me now, because after this, uh, after Breaking Bad, I'm done. What's the next show you're going to pick up? I'm not going to do one. I want to live my life now. I want to yeah. go out and do things. Yeah. But I, got, I did do Dexter for the right. first few seasons. Right. Which was only good for the first one. Second one was wonky. Yeah, third yeah. was shit. Yeah, well, I the agree. Third one, and then John Lithgow carried the fourth oh, okay. one. He yes. carried it. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, thought, I the, thought the fourth was good. I thought the one with Julia Stiles and the, and the, uh, the chicks in mm. the barrels, I thought that was good. I saw a few no. episodes like, fuck this. No, I, so I thought that one was good. And I thought, I thought you know what? I, this show can end right here. The sociopath needs a girlfriend. Go fuck off. Oh, well, come what on. Everybody boring. needs somebody out there. Come on, you're hurting Dave's feelings when you say things like that. I just you have no chance. But it was just that, like, one think John fight? Wayne Gacy had any friends? Uh, yeah, they were all buried. And if he did, any friends. and if he did, there might be less people dead. That's all I'm trying to well, say. Well, yeah, and I think his, his friends were for about 45 minutes, and then they were buried in the call space. <laughs> yeah. There were short relationships that I wish some of my relationships could be that long, too. But I don't think... Uh, you're cute, Julia. Why don't you come... And now... Let's get to a new exciting show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? Don't clean that up. It adds character. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. And Kathleen McGee. And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you. Can you dig it? One, two, three. I'm so stressed out. Okay, hi. I'm here. <laughs> Pull your tape off. Pull my tape off? Yeah, it, okay. it, it didn't, the video didn't click in, so I thought you had some Dave Martin tape. Yeah, you had your, your Dave Martin protective jerk-off tape on. <laughs> no, I don't care who watches me jerk-off. I'm on OnlyFans. <laughs> they have to pay to watch you jerk-off, right? Or jill off. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. So we, we were talking about Richard Jenny because I posted a clip from his uh, debut on The Tonight Show today. Uh, yeah. He talks about Jaws Revenge. It's a pretty, it's a very, it's a very funny clip. A little dated because of the movie, but uh, do you even know who Richard Jenny is? Like in terms of, you may know him as a name, but have you seen a lot of his stand-up or not? I haven't seen a lot of his stand-up. I know who he is. Like I know what? he was in The Mask and that stuff. I, I know, I'm sure I watched him all the time when I watched Evening at the Improv when I was right. a little kid. Sure. But like, I don't know his bits. Right, right. Yeah. No, it's just, just a, well, and then you always remember his suicide, too. Yes. Well, yes, that also happened. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't you remember that bear that I had 
that we got at Comic Con. That remember oh. that bear that like, shot itself in the head, and and one of you called it Richard Teddy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that was me, or I could equally that could either be one of us. Yeah, we, I'm not sure. I'm not sure who said that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that makes yeah. That's sort of like one of those drunken things when someone reminds you of like, hey, do you remember doing this yesterday when you were loaded? It's like, well, I don't remember it, but I can. Yeah. Actually, that sounds like something I would say. Yeah, that's in my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what? Uh, so Darren, I saw you posted about Chits Creek and your and your and your love of it, it getting all the uh, Emmy awards, Kathleen. Well, everybody, I think is is happy i mean any canadian is happy when america recognizes us like we right. love it sure. but like i think it's just like more proof that the people that program television in this country need to pay attention to the people that live in this country because mm -hmm. like it's crazy like it's everybody is so good and yes it was like Catherine Heron, and eugene levy yes there was big names that they had in it but there was also a lot of people that were not well known like um uh the woman that won uh annie she she's an unknown and like you know how many people how many comics have pitched a show like this how many writers have pitched a show like this you know and or even better or other kinds of shows or not a show set in a small town like it's crazy how much talent is in this country but how much is ignored the sad thing is, is that I think you're right. I think this kind of show has been pitched a hundred times before and it took someone like Dan Levy to, you know, he, I'm sure this isn't the first time he had a meeting about this show and yeah. he, you know, said that my dad's going to be in it. Catherine O'Hara said yes. And I, I bet even then it was still like, well, we don't know. Yeah. Let's see what happens. You know, because that's a lot of what Canada is. Well, we ordered the Big Bang Theory. We ordered about a million episodes. Right. Play those out. You never yeah. know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like... It's like the still standing show with Johnny Harris, right? Like that show has been pitched. I know for a fact, comic going into small town and doing small town things. I know five different comics that pitched that idea to CBC and they yeah. never said yes to it. Even though we all know his comics would be great. Uh, you know, I, I've heard so many various versions. And so when it actually went with Johnny Harris, I was surprised because I'm like, well, okay. And that show, to my knowledge, did well. And it's, I think it's still in production. And it's yeah. Expensive show to do and it celebrates Canadian talent and a lot of comics that are Canadian write on it and have a job and you know yeah I mean it definitely celebrates small towns and Canadian culture and mm -hmm. uh but I think it's funny that it's sort of like both um yeah I mean both like well I mean Schitt's Creek is sort of like a Beverly Hillbillies in reverse you know it's like right. you know the city people have to go to the country now as opposed yes. to the country people going into the city but it's sort of like, I mean, I've heard like endorsements for Letter Kenny. I mean, I was listening to a show earlier this morning on the Jim and Sam show. Lewis Black was on and he endorsed uh, Letter Kenny, Trailer Park Boys and Schitt's Creek. Right. Which, you know, are all sort of similar shows that are done in these sort of very rural, rural, I can't pronounce that word well. Right. Uh, rural sort of area. And but then there's like uh, there's elements in it that, uh, you know, every Canadian can sort of relate to and. It's sort of like this. It's the same sort of. I think there's a little. It's a little bit different from the American sort of, you know, rural sort of comedy and American sort of. But it's it's like I mean, America had a fascination with Bob and Doug McKenzie too when it happened, right? Which well, every Canadian comedy almost has been set in a small town, right? Like yeah. I know that's what you were just saying, but like that that seems to be the formula that they will accept. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you've got Corner Gas, you've got you know, Mosquito Lake, which obviously wasn't successful, but it still was set in that kind of small town country bumpkin type thing. 
Right. And it's sort of like, and it's all the sort of the fish out of water. I mean, I think the kids in the hall, well, in Kim's Convenience mm-hmm. and Tall Boys are both now set in in the city. So, right. You know, I mean, we're, 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 I mean, we are making good shows, too, but, you know, it's... Uh, uh, I think, you know, every time I see a sketch from... I don't watch it weekly, because I just don't watch that much television, but every time I see a sketch reposted by Baron Vaughn, I, I laugh my fucking ass off. Like, some of those sketches are so funny, funnier than sketches I've seen on SNL, and I'm sure that that show was not an easy show to get on and to stay on, and I'm sure they're still struggling to keep it on. With the way things are, it's not on anymore. They canceled it. Well, there you go. No, I don't. Did they leave, or did they just, or did they want to keep? I'm sure that they asked to be paid appropriately, and CB said, "Go fuck yourself." (laughs) Like I'm sure that's what. I don't know for sure. I'm just making stuff up, but right. Like I'm sure that they like were like, "Look how good this is. Mm -hmm. We would like to be reimbursed." Well, and also I think the shows like on Netflix as well, or Working Moms is on Netflix. Yes, it is, and so that helps. And even yeah. Scott Thompson, uh, you know, that we've had on the show before, has always said that if it wasn't for Lauren Michaels, the CBC would have canceled Kids in the Hall. Yeah. Yes. But, it's, but, you know, I mean, Canada has a long tradition of making really even, good, popular even pilots. The show, even the show I was on, which was garbage, Gutterball Alley, it was terrible. They had a deal with Broadway Video. All CTV had to do was say, okay, we'll, we'll air it on the comedy network. And Broadway Video at the time wanted to pick it up. And this is before Jackass and Play It in America. And CTV just said, we're embarrassed by this show. We don't want it. No, even though at the time it was number one or number two, I think it was number one on the comedy network. They just killed it because they're always nervous. That's the difference in America and Canada. America embraces the controversy and says, let's go for it. And Canada's like, we're good people. We don't want to upset anyone. And that's not what comedy is. I'm not saying all comedy has to upset people, but some of it does to kind of push through. And well, that's, this, you know, that's the problem with all our own stand-up comedy as well. Well, well yeah, the Canadian no more- Comedy Network was the Canadian Comedy Network and it was kind yeah. of exciting and they were actually producing stuff with Canadians and giving specials and now it's not. Now it's just comedy and yeah. now it replays old sitcoms from America or, you know. Yeah, I mean, the Big Bang Theory is it's disgusting how often it gets, but... I mean, like I at least we play video on trial. At least we play video on trial or something. Right, like, you right. own it. That yeah. show cases Canadians. Like, it's so yes. crazy. Right. Well, at one time, that was the biggest show to be on as a stand-up comic in this country. Oh, there's people that got a green card because they were on that show. A few Other times. That, there, there's, there's people that have followings because of that show. Yes. Like, yes. Trevor Boris, Deborah Giovanni. That was the first time that they were really seen outside of going and seeing them at the Rivoli or the Laugh Resort, they got national exposure of an age that eventually will grow old enough to go see them live, and they did. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, it's all, I mean, it's too bad. There's, there's no reward in risk in Canada. So, I mean, that's why we keep sort of giving shows to people that are, are recognizable but still not successful. Right. I mean, I like Carla Collins, but, I mean, and she's a nice person, I suppose, but she hasn't had a successful show, but they keep giving her more shows because – People recognize her, but they don't seem to, they seem to have this sort of men in black, let's erase your history and forget right. the five failed shows that you did, but she is recognizable. So that's, you know. I mean, even Shit's Creek, I watched one season of it. I didn't really get into it. I'll admit it. And uh, I didn't give it a chance and I stopped. Like, I think some people did. But then today, someone I know posted a clip of a, a scene they were in and the scene was hysterical. 
So and that's why I said, what season is this in? And he said, season three. I said, okay, I'm going to go back now and start watching it from season two on because well, I've already seen season one. And I know it's a lot of setup and I get that. I'm not new, but that it was a absolute hilarious scene. But Dan Levy even said, basically, thank you for not canceling us in our first season. They didn't get right. viewership in their first season. Nobody right. was paying attention. They said, thank you for letting us grow because these TV shows need to be able to grow. Look at Seinfeld. Go back and watch the first season of Seinfeld. Oh, it's yeah. Unwatchable. It's yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah even, even a show like Cheers. True, it turned into what it is. Like mm -hmm. they just, they're so quick to cancel stuff and say no to things when they're, they won't invest in something. And then look at, they made something great. So hopefully that this is an example, you know, and also, but like we can complain till we're blue in the face. If Canadians don't watch us, then they're right. Then yes, we aren't draws. Well, lots, lots of shows are filmed here and they're quality shows. Yeah. I mean, even if they're not owned in Canada, like The Boys is shot in Toronto, right. Handmaid's Tale is shot in Toronto. Those are both worldwide phenomenons and you look at them and yes, the directors might be American. Some are Canadian probably. I don't know. I don't go do that kind of research, but it's, it's still possible to do that kind of talent here because all the crews are Canadian. So yeah. Oh. I mean, yeah, we, we, we can move on to the, uh, you wanted to talk about Dave Chappelle telling all the yes. to go fuck themselves? Yes, so I'm not sure if you know this or not, Kathleen, but so when he won his Emmy two nights ago, he pretty much did a, a speech about... Boy, comes as a complete surprise. <laughs> I mean, I read all the reviews they said so many terrible things. They were embarrassed for me. I had lost my way. It wasn't even worth watching. I hope all you critics learn from this. This is a teachable moment. Shut the fuck up forever. Two in a night. These aren't them. These are the ones I want for the other ones, motherfucker. I would like to thank my editor who was nominated. Unfortunately, he did not win, but I couldn't have been more honored to work with Jeff Yaron. Stan Lathan has been directing television since 1968. Any show that I watched when I was growing up, he directed it. From Sesame Street, to Sanford and Son, to Good Times, to Everything Black. And finally, you motherfuckers finally gave him an Emmy tonight. He deserves so much more, but I'm glad you came around. I'd like to shout out all the other nominees tonight. Tiffany Haddish and Patton Oswalt and Hannah Gatsby and, and Brother Mulaney. You guys are an inspiration to me and I'm honored to be nominated with you. I'm sorry that you didn't win tonight, but who gives a fuck anyway? It's a special night because comedy gets to be itself. It's all we've ever wanted. I hope the war is over. We good? And as always, I love you. Thank my wife, Elaine.
That's right. Lorraine has been with me for the last 25 years and had to endure the pains of living with the greatest comedian ever. <laughs> See you on Monday. Thank you very much. Yeah, he tells them basically that uh, it wasn't critically acclaimed, but he still won an Emmy for it. So, it's, right. but you know, but I mean, it's, it's always one of those weird things. I'm like, who's, who's in the Academy or that voted that right. said that, you know, you, that yes, your special is good and win against the critics. But I think the critics were all trying to be overly woke and too sensitive to other people's feelings. Right. Right. And didn't want to even express their own feelings. But I mean, I think, I mean, critics are necessary. For, for sure. But. Well, it's like I said, I mean, I whenever we get, like, critics are great when they say nice things about you, and they're motherfuckers when they say shitty things about you. That's generally, that's that's like bookers. When they book you, they're great. When they don't, they're cunts. I mean, that's pretty standard entertainment. But, you know, I've had detractors and critics say bad things about me, which I can agree with, because that's their opinion. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I am trollish, and I yell and scream and say bad words too much, and it's not maybe? enough for the funny. Exactly. <laughs> maybe you are? That, that's fine. Okay. But when they say things that are so far off the mark that it's like it's not an educated thing to say, or they're just trying to say something that's so out there it's not even worth arguing about, then I can call them on it. When it comes to Dave Chappelle, I don't know whether the critics were harsh enough or not harsh enough. But there's part of me is like, we're all are like, fuck critics. But if they said nice things, you'd all be like, yeah, that critic's all right. Well, I mean, yeah, it's just one guy's opinion at the end of the right. day. But, but I mean, critics are the ones that push artists farther. I mean, if there right. weren't any critics, we would probably just do, be doing the same shit over and over again. So. Right. But it used to be like people were appointed the critic. Now everybody appoints themselves as a critic. So it's hard to like, who do I listen right. to? But yeah, it, it, it is one of those weird things, though. It's sort of like, what, who do you want criticism from, when, even when it comes to a movie or a comedy show? Do you want some guy to have this big knowledge of comedy and where it came from, and, and he can reference, like, Richard Pryor and Joan Rivers and, uh, uh, you know, Phyllis Diller and Lenny Bruce? Or do you want someone who's just like, oh, I like comedy. Uh, here's my opinion about this. Right. Like, do you right. want the average Joe, or do you want some educated person about it? Right. It's sort of like... It's 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 a weird give and take, but you're you're right. Everyone is a like Kathleen said. Everyone's a everyone can be a critic now with social like media I like, Twitter. I like websites like Rotten Tomatoes because everybody can have their input, and then the majority, and then yes. you, almost every time it's it's what it does well there. It's a good movie almost every time. Right, right. But Rotten, that's that's like that's hundreds of critics. Yeah, but, but Rotten Tomatoes was the one that had like all the critics gave it like twelve percent. And then the audience, and then when regular people got to vote on it, yeah. they gave it like 98%. Right, right. Uh, but I also think that's because critics have to watch their own ass now. And yes. if Dave Chappelle got into a whole bunch of controversy, everyone's probably going to start piling on the critics that said it was good. There would, be, there, there would be no Lester Bangs in the year 2020. Let's just say that. Those kinds of critics would not exist because they would all be, you know, written out or dropped because they are saying something that they feel is important, no matter what the feelings of the reader was, because that's what the critic is supposed to do. And now I do agree with you that critics, for the most part, are saying things that aren't going to get them that much in trouble on the wrong side of a debate. They don't want to be contrarian.
Right. No, I mean, nobody can lean back and go, oh, that's just my opinion, because then they're worried about getting ganged up uh, as well. So <laughs> then, you know, if you don't have the, the critics that are just everyday people, like you said, Kathleen, about that's now the way criticism is. Like, I wouldn't have a single DVD review of any of my DVDs because the only ones I have in Canada, I have a couple in the States, is a guy who started his own website in Montreal, the serious comedy site, and has reviewed all my stuff and hundreds of DVDs and CDs. But try getting other publications to like other than now magazine. No one has ever reviewed one of my fucking DVDs. No legitimate media. None. I've yeah. sent them all out. I've sent packages. Nothing. Zero. But now like things like I mean, on podcasts, our podcast is rated by people that listen to it and you can right. get ratings and you can get bad ratings from bitter people that hate you. <laughs> that's right. the other thing that's funny. Right. But um, I don't know. Yeah, I. I don't really listen to any critics at all. I just, if I want to watch it, I watch it. And if I don't, I don't. Hey, this is Gavin Crawford. You can follow me on Twitter at TV Gavin. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. On Sirius XM. The army fucked out of three. Yeah. I should be able to drive and smoke drugs. Yeah, huh? Take away my freedom. All right, I'm almost done. Then we can talk. What do you guys do? Do you have like a, a plan or we just talk? Well, we're going to talk. I want to talk about what Chappelle said last night. I don't know if you saw the clip. I, no, I didn't. I, I want to bring up the fact that you shaved your asshole on the air. Yeah. Oh, okay. That too. <laughs> so let's start there. Let's start there and then we'll move to Chappelle. Oh, we're starting, okay. we're starting at the... Yes, start with asshole. Okay. Always start with asshole. Yeah, uh, we'll get. We're doing half an hour, right? I got to run yes. to the train. Yeah. Okay. Okay. First of all, okay. We remember the, the, the one time that I was in New York, and there was like that thing that was that cyst, that uh, abscess right above. I cured it for you. I told you what to do. I go. You take a couple of Advil and you walk it off, <laughs> and then you go back to Canada where they have real healthcare and a yeah. doctor right. tells you it's a. They're trying to milk you for your real healthcare. It was an Advil cured situation you gave into the socialized medicine and uh you know you're to blame for that but yeah. then what happened oh well actually well I, well anyway well, well when i got back uh from that one trip yeah yeah you told me to have a couple of beers and uh uh have some uh, i was uh, have some advil a couple of beers and don't worry about it <laughs> yeah. like oh well i'm worrying apart it uh, was really holding me back so uh so anyways i eventually had i had to get surgery for it and they yeah. down, and so they had to dig down uh, right to the bone, and, and, and make this hole right above the side. Like I had, a, <laughs> I had an asshole for about eight yeah. weeks. Yeah. And so I just came back from the hospital today with my two bracelets. All right. And uh, the doctor said, uh, if there's any way that you could sort of shave your shave your ass and shave your asshole, that would probably uh, help if you got rid of some of that hair down there. Right. Mm -hmm. Which makes it more apparent that there's no benefit to having a hairy ass. Mm -mm. Oh, there is. Yeah, supposedly there is. What, what's the benefit? The, the fact is, so... I'll say warmth. No, no. But if you don't have hair in your asshole, you will start sweating a lot. Like, the hair catches a lot of sweat. Supposedly, if you don't have hair in your asshole, it goes right in your underwear. Yeah. What, so you get like a, you get a swampy ass? I guess. Yeah. That's what you get. Well, I have questions, Dave. First of all, when he drilled in down to the bone, did he go, well, there's no funny in here? 
And then, <laughs> turns out there's not a funny bone in this guy's body, even when somebody was pegging him. And then, did uh, did you really think about shaving your asshole? Uh, well, the, the, today was the first day that he brought up, uh, you should shave your asshole. Uh, and then I asked him, well, how am I going to possibly do that? And then he kind of mimed it a little bit with himself. And it's like, yeah, you know, you just take a razor back there. <laughs> He's yeah, in yeah, a box yeah, sure. first, Darren. Yeah. Oh, 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 He's pulling oh, a wall bomb. Doing a wall bomb. <laughs> <laughs> the, the rope, pulling yeah. a razor over to him. <laughs> Starts crying when he nicks his own asshole. <laughs> I said, well, it's a razor, and I don't have eyes back there. How am I going to do that on my own? And then, then the nurse decided, well, you know that they have razor blades now with three razor blades. And yeah. It's like, yeah. I don't. That doesn't still doesn't help me. And he was asking, like, do you have anyone that can assist you? And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> there should there should be someone you pay to come over and do that for you, Dave. There probably is. Yeah. No, I'm sure there. Go to Chinatown. In Chinatown, you can get anything. I'm sure you could get them. They'll fucking shave your cock. They'll shave your asshole if you pay oh, them. I don't want to go anywhere to get my asshole shaved. I want it to be an in-house. Uh, All right. So, I bet if you call. A lady yes. of the night. She yes. would come over like a hundred and twenty dollar one where you're like, I don't want anything kinky. Can you just shave my asshole? Yes. <laughs> I bet you could do that. I've done I uh, no. I thought about when I went back on the road when I first got married, and my wife was like, You can have someone eat your ass. That's not cheating. And but it's like, how do you ask a hooker that? Like, look, right. I'm not in a weird shit. Could you just yeah. eat my ass? Uh, it's, a deal, it's a deal I have with my wife. Yeah. It's a normal request. Yeah, uh, Dave, you should have said, first of all, when you go, I don't have eyes back there. What if the doctor was like, well, good news. We can put a pair back there for you. <laughs> <laughs> Canadian health care. Um, yeah, I shaved mine. Yeah, I had mine shaved last week. But you, you had I, someone do it for you, right? Yeah, my co-host, Gino Bisconti. It was like an ongoing bit for like a month where people would call in. They'd be like, hey, it's Jim from Florida. I want to talk about the COVID thing. And he'd be like, all right, great call. And right before they'd hang up, they'd go, what are you going to shave everyone's ass? And then just hang up. And then we would do it where people would call and not even them. We would just be like, hey, it's uh, Mark from Tennessee. When are you going to shave everyone's ass? I didn't do that. <laughs> so then we it was my birthday, so I brought in clippers, and Gito trimmed my ass a little bit. It wasn't like way up in there, but you could feel the tickling. And we did it because we had – one day we were so bored, so all four of us, me, Garrett, Gino, and Steve, all go, who is the worst asshole? So we all opened our assholes and took pictures of them and then did a contest. And mine looked the worst. Like, I have the nicest ass. I have no hair on my ass. It looks really good and rounded because I do squats. But then it's like I opened it way up, and it was just like this witch hazel deck. Yeah, black and I, Yeah, and I didn't know. Everybody else barely opened there. So you just see a crack. Mine is like this big fucking brown balloon and and then just tons of, and I was like, oh, that's gross. So I thought it'd look better if I shave it. Now, some people say it's gay. I don't, you know, I don't mind it. We do anal in my house, but I haven't, my wife hasn't put anything in my ass, but she calls anal missionary for her. She just loves <laughs> She goes, old, old boring missionary, where yeah. you pound me till I bleed, and then we use the sheets as fucking cum towels. And then after she goes to a foreign country, tries to help out. That's what mm -hmm. she does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, when you opened up your asshole, did it make that sound uh, that uh, a Mac computer makes when you turn it on? Like that. <laughs> 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 like you're going into some, like you're, yeah, you're, you're opening up like Alibaba's tomb or something like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or the really 90s just... internet. Or that 90s internet. <laughs> it was a glistening sound at the end once they shaved it. The guys are... And also when I first opened it, someone goes, Shanty! And it turns out that's where she's hiding. That is where she's hiding. <laughs> yeah. She's, nice. Yeah. She's actually on Cameo now. I, I, I saw I that. So, I so badly wanted to share it and get the fan. And then I was like, it's an asshole move. It's like, she's she's gone for now. And it's like, just let her, you know, if she's going to better herself, good. She's going to better herself. I don't want to fucking pile on. I have a limit now in my age where I like stop my assholeness. And I also know if you push that far, it's going to come back to you. Like, it's nice to see karma exist when right. you know you see a really bad person like a virtue signaling person like that take a fall it's you feel like there's justice in the world because yeah people would call us bad people yeah you know you've learned this years ago dirty comics are usually the best people because they have the ability to exercise their demons on stage right. Right. and then the rest of their life is you know family guy fucking getting bossed around by your wife who's shorter than you so that that's really what it is. And it's good to see these people, these really bad people, and they are bad people, get taken down a notch. And I don't know if I saw him or her. I don't know what. But I, I don't know where it would be. But I just know that, you know, they piled on a lot in an effort to stop what was, you know, good comedy for the most part. And it was just an example of we're trying to carve a place for ourselves out by pushing these other people out. And uh, I don't know how I got on this, but Shanty's up my ass. But, uh, and, you know, and I'm not a big fan of, of pylons either. There's been people I despise. And once the pylon starts, I'm actually almost defending them because I just don't want to be that far. I think I agree. There has to be some kind of like karma to a certain extent. Then it kind of almost jumps where. The, the people doing that pylon is no better than yeah. the person doing the shitty thing. There's got to yeah. be a limit to it, and it's finding that limit. And I don't, I really don't get any benefit. Look, I'm not going to lie. In my 20s, I fucking love seeing people fall that I thought were cunts. Now I don't really get that same kind of urge. I almost feel a certain, not sadness. I don't want to go that far, but I want, I don't feel the same way about it. Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's also the people that, who are, who are piling on. Yeah, eventually they'll, turn on you yes being like you know why, why don't you let her get some help or or yes why don't you just yeah. let her get some help give her a dick back um <laughs> now speaking of that speaking of that so Chappelle won an emmy last night for Good. special sticks and stones and his speech pretty much and i'm paraphrasing he said you know i there's a lot of reviews that from critics that said bad things about it now that i've won this uh you guys can pretty much go fuck yourselves what was the quote, Dave? Do you remember what he said? I think he said you can shut shut the fuck shut up. Shut the forever. fuck up already, yeah. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up forever. That's what he said. And yeah. uh, and then he said, "Are we good?" And then that was it. He did this in front of a live audience. It was about a three minute acceptance speech, and that what he said. That's what he said. And my attitude is, I get it when you get. I've had bad reviews, and you don't like it. But there is always going to be a critic. There's always going to be someone there to kind of knock you down to keep you humble. And, um, you know, maybe that's a little too far to say, you know, shut the fuck up. You don't agree with their opinion? Fine. Yeah. And in the moment, I get it, he's upset. But I don't know if that, uh, that might be too far. I think, and I'm going to say that Dave Chappelle, 
Ripley is probably the greatest living stand-up comedian 100%. of our time right now. 100%. Uh, Louis C.K., if you didn't watch his last special, his brilliance is undermined only by the fact that he was off the off the charts for a while. Louis up there. Burr is really good, but I still put Chappelle and Louis, and, and I know Burr. Uh, it, 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 Chappelle is phenomenal. Chappelle is so good, he was able to make that George Floyd thing, which was basically a TED talk. There was no yes, laughs. Yes, and, uh, that's what I and said, you yeah. give him a pass because yeah. he's the greatest stand-up comic right. going. Um, I think his anger is more directed, not necessarily at critics, but like, the mass populace that's saying it's not okay what he does. And I think he's one of the biggest defenders of what everybody in comedy does, which is like, yes. if it's funny, you're allowed to do it. The, the funniest thing in that special was like, but this is how I feel, you're inside. Yeah. And it's like so dumb and it's like an eighth grader Asian accent, but it was so funny. And for people to go after him for that stuff, and I get it, I understand the climate, I, I'm dropping my trans joke that before COVID was annihilating. And it was my favorite joke. And now it's just, for some reason, it's not working. Right. And I'm just like, okay, I've tried it 30 times post COVID. It's yeah. worked twice. I can't justify it. And it, like, it's just not working. And right. I always said, the audience determines what's right and what's wrong. Right. In my mind, like if they're not digging it, why am I still doing it? To be edgy? So it's like, I, Chappelle can say whatever the fuck he wants. I'm trying, Darren. He does like a summer camp now yes, uh, yes. in his town. Yeah. <clears throat> and Cypher Sounds uh, goes there a lot. Cypher usually opens for him. And I'm one of Cypher's favorite comics. And I, every time I see Cypher, he'll stand and watch me. And then I, I'll leave and I go, let me know which weekend I get to get on the plane with you. Because basically Chappelle sends a private jet to Teterboro. And then like five or six people get on and you'll just fly on a private jet. It's like you, Louis, Chris Rock, all on this private jet. And I was like, just let me go one, one weekend. And right. it's just like, that's, that'd be a dream come true. But Michelle Wolf is moving there where Chappelle lives. Wow. Like to the town. But yeah. she's, I guess, renting some big house there now. And he's like, yes, she's moving there. So it's amazing. The shift in comedy that's happening in America is that the hubs aren't going to be the hubs anymore. There's going to be new hubs. Well, yeah, and I mean, they're, they're, the, the idea of bringing your audience to you now, not going and searching for your audience, I mean, that started five years ago, and I could just see that with COVID even happening more now, because obviously New York is, I mean, you live there, you see it more than we do, but we hear the reports of, you know, stores being closed and people wanting to move out and it's not the same place anymore how much that is true i don't know i don't live there i mean i talked to many homes and a few other friends of mine that live there and you know they're they're waiting it out to see what happens i mean what's it like for you the the shows i mean i'm still doing shows i'm working uh but they're outdoor shows you can't do shows indoors unless they're illegal i did a couple but now it's like, it's going to be cold in two weeks. People aren't going to want to sit outside. So it's right. like, there was some secret shows that were happening six nights a week at a club that I can't name. And great club. You've been there uh, when you guys visited. Right. And they were, they were killer shows. It's like, the only downfall is there's no roof. So the laughs, even if you're killing, yeah, they'll be like, right they disperse quick. Yeah. Uh, but it's still like, there were great lineups and, and, you know, really good to get back and get the rust off. But it's... Um, it's a, the city's a shithole, but it's always been a shithole. You never came to New York and you're like, this is glamorous. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
and it's also getting this cool edge again where it's like these shows are happening on rooftops and in storefronts and it's like oh this is kind of cool like tourists will come back for this kind of weird bohemian vibe the rents are dropping it is there's more violence i carry a knife to work now i never used to do that so i carry a blade in my back pocket i've only pulled it out once where some guy went for my phone and then saw the knife and then walked away um, but it's a, it's a shithole. It's always been. When this first right. happened, I talked to Ari. I go, why are we live? He's like, yeah, we live like fucking rats. Why don't we just move somewhere else? Um, like to Ohio are, and, live, and live in a big house. Dude, I, talked to, I talked to Nate Bargatze last night because I'm like, we don't know what we're doing. We're going to send my daughter to school tomorrow. And she has to, they wanted to wear a mask and they're like, there's no refund. So it's $10,000. And if we lock down again, there's no refunds. And right. I'm like, uh, okay. So then my wife told me we're not going to do that. I'm such a cuck. And then uh, uh, I go, all right. I, I texted Nate Bargatze because he's really successful. He sells out theaters. He's a really good comic. And I go, how's Nashville? He goes, well, here's the list of comics that are moving here. Steve Byrne, a couple other guys. Well, and Theo then I Vaughan's look. Already there. Who? Theo Vaughn's already in. Oh, really? I didn't know. Theo's hilarious, by the way. Underrated yeah. as hell. He's yeah. fucking funny. Well, I know, and uh, Joey Diaz is moving to New Jersey. Yeah, Joey's back in Jersey. Right. Um, and then I look at the houses, and it's like t- property taxes on a mansion are two fifty a month. Property yeah. taxes for a tiny house here, 1200 bucks. So it's like I can buy almost a million-dollar home down there. Mm-hmm. And, as opposed to a six hundred thousand dollar home here, right. and you're like, oh, and Nashville's nice, and it's like, look, when you the longer you live in America, you start to kind of value the freedoms that you want. And as crazy as people get when they're on the streets, like open up our gyms, it does make sense to some people. And you know, when you move to these more quote unquote conservative places, you have that where they're not dictated by their government telling them you need to close down. And, and it's a, there's a dilemma and there's a lot of civil problems. There's civil unrest in this country now that would otherwise be reserved for, you know, banana republics years ago. Mm. That's how bad it is. And government feuds and people feud. And New York is kind of one of those hubs. It's not Portland yet, but there's a lot of shit here. They just declared today, like it's, um, they're going to probably start sending in, uh, troops because of the protests and stuff like that. So people are going to move, and we still think about it. I mean, daily. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, we got a nice setup here. I'm in Queens, but it's like, if there's another lockdown, I'm going south. I'm not right. moving near Jersey. Right. I'll do Zoom shows. I'll go on the road in the in the states that have open stuff. I'm going to Arizona at the end of the month. You know, so it's like that's what I'll start doing. And anyways, a place like Nashville is a hub. You're going to fly anyways. Probably Mm -hmm. to anywhere that you're going to want to do a string of shows, you're going to have to fly. Or, you know, just stay local to the Nashville area and bring the audience to you. I I don't see that being any different than a year ago, the way comedy was going, out of comedy clubs and into your own venues. It's just even more so now. I mean, uh, New York always seemed like the place that you'd be doing spots more than actual, like, like feature sets or headline sets. You know, it's sort of... I mean, but it's sort of like, I think that's, I mean, that's what I like about New York is the grittiness and it's, you know, it's not like it's like the movie Taxi Driver anymore. I mean, it's cleaned up enough. Mm-hmm. You don't really want it to be like, like Main Street USA at Disney World either. Like, uh, so you, you kind of want that sort of that New York vibe. But also, yeah. I, I mean, I've, I've been to Nashville 
I was in Nashville two years ago, and it's a it seemed like a really great city. And like you said, you don't really need to be in this heart of like if people are auditioning through you know Zoom and it's yes. like why why bother? I mean, I always say to people if you don't have to live in a city like like Toronto, then don't. You know, if you yeah. move somewhere else. Then- oh man, the best thing I did was move two years ago. I'm not not even not even the second thought. Best thing I did was get out of there two years ago. I got the space. I got time. I got just it's almost like a rebirth for me outside of comedy. Yeah, my comedy career took a bit of a hit, maybe. But, you know, the age has a lot to do with that as well. But moving out of Toronto, out of the hub was a benefit for me. So I I think anyone that wants to do it, do it. But you weren't going out for spots that much or anything like that. No, near the end, I wasn't. I wasn't grinding. Yeah. So yeah. But also, it's spots are kind of shittier here, anyways. So, and uh, never been. We've never really tapped into the tourist industry like New York has. So yeah, and it'll be interesting to see. I mean, Rogan moves to Austin. That means there's going to be a huge scene in Austin again. Yeah, uh, and there always was. I mean, Austin yeah, was a good Austin comedy town for a long time. Yeah, uh, you know, Chicago possibly, but it's New York is still going to be New York. There's still a grittiness here. You still get to play with you know the hardest. Hardest hitting comics uh, all the time, and uh, I, I don't know if you'd be able to get that elsewhere. But I still think if you're a good comic and you move somewhere else, like if you move to Nashville, there's at least one club. Yep. You still get up a few times a week. Then you go on the road, uh, and you you know you turn out an hour every uh, weekend. And there's something to that too. And it's I don't know. I have no answers right now. I'm just trying to get by, but it's like. The fact that stand-up is going to dry up here is always the thing where it's like, oh, we moved to New York to do a lot of sets. Right. There's no sets. Why are we in New York? Right. And my wife's like, I got this gymnastics job, but I'm like, we're going to stay here for your part-time gymnastics job. Um, so it's weird. But there's also an allure to being like, you know, one of the better comics in New York that still holds weight, even though there's this weird shit going on where it's kind of like, okay, I work in New York and all these places. Uh, here's what the stuff I lay down. That's kind of a ticket to work anywhere, you know? Yeah. But also, sure. it's also the chance to be able to work with guys like, you have a show with, with David Tell coming up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How great's that? Thursday. I mean, that's pretty awesome on its own. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you ain't getting okay. that in Toronto. You ain't getting that in, in Canada for sure. No, and and it's really cool where it's like me and Dave just started hanging out doing these secret shows, and he and I was like, do you want to? I go, I got these guys that would love to work you. Do you want to do this show or this show? And then I go, this guy wants to do. He said I want to do a drive-in show, and I go, okay, well I'm talking. Stand Up New York wants to do one. Do you want to do it with me? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And and then he goes, let's bring two more people, and that he has all these weird ideas. Dave has gone very abstract now, like he plays a recorder. In his act, he pulls out a recorder. He's got a puppet now. I haven't seen him do the puppet, but he carries it. So I'll go on stage and be like, holy shit, COVID's changed everything. David tells the new Richard Jenny. Did you ever do cocaine off an emo Phillips blazer? Um, <laughs> but it's amazing how like it changed people. So we're doing that, and it's going to be, uh, yeah, that's really cool. And then Dave's like, I I don't know who who should close, and I was like, oh, like that just warms my heart. Where yeah. I was just like, you you should. He's like, I you're a power closer, uh, but it's Dave always brings people up, and it's like a whole fuck around thing with him. Where it's like, 
the whole show. So the two openers will come and then it's like everybody fucks around. He wants to do drive in bingo where he's going to pick like people's license plates. I'm like, you win free merge. Um, <laughs> but they're weird shows. I don't know if you guys have done those, those drive through shows no, or those drive in no, shows. No. I did, uh, like, I've done them where in the summer, all the windows are open and people are like, you can hear the laughter still. Right. right. Saturday, I did one uh, at a diner and it's just the cars and it wires into the radio. Mm. So you're literally doing the jokes and you can't hear the laughs. Right. So people will flick their lights or you see people in the front cars laughing, but it was weird. So you just got to be like, Oh, I know these jokes are funny. Sure. But it's it takes away the energy of it, the build yes, of it, because yeah. those laughs aren't there. There's no wave. There's no wave to ride. No. There's no energy to push forward and back yeah, at I don't you. Know if that would bother me at all. I think I'm pretty used to that. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, the, what's tell us about your uh, the the I'm I'm interested in your uh, the the badass juice podcast. Mm. Uh it's a brand new podcast with Diga Studios, the the old head of MTV. And uh, I guess they saw me do stand up and they're like, we want to get these Jews that are like outside of the box Jews, you know, like not lawyers and doctors. We want to get like these tough guys and these people that have put themselves into these really horrible situations. So we have uh, the first one was Mark Levin, who directed a whole bunch of like gang movies. He was like, he's this older Jew was shot at in a drive by, directed a very controversial film that came out after 9-11. Uh, then we have like Sue Bird. She's a WNBA player who is um, dating the soccer player that went like head to head with Trump last year. Remember the girl with the pink hair? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's really different and outside the box for me to talk to these people and find the similarities, but also to have like these you know teachable moments where you, you're talking to these very powerful feminists who you would think. You know, oh, I'm going to disagree with this one, but then you see th- that it's all about striving for greatness, and you see the similarities, and then you see how much harder it is for a woman to make this peak. You know, it's hard enough for a man to become great at something, but when a woman's coming up, and there's all these notions of glass ceiling and wage gap and stuff, so there's really teachable moments for me in it, and I open myself up uh, a great deal. Um, but it's it's a really cool series. We've got first season just about done. There'll be 10. We've got Ralph Friedman, who was this Bronx cop with 11 confirmed kills, like this tatted up uh, badass Jew. And now we've brought on a correspondent who does these historical segments. So there'll be a, a, at least one episode every week, and it's available wherever you get podcasts. And it's a really cool team, and it's cool to do. And it's like, you know, they, it's, it's so well-researched, and we – dig into these people we got flawless who's this jeweler to like floyd mayweather and 50 cent and all these guys um and and the crossover between the jewish and the black community is really intriguing you see it in hip-hop in jewelry Mm -hmm. uh and there's so much similarity and in this time where there's like you know so much anti-semitism coming out of like quote unquote blm people who are really just factions of that movement uh it's cool to see and, and it seems like a really positive thing and a really temporal thing to be doing too is it a relief to not talk to comedians like because it's just sort of like you know i mean there's there's great things that you know you can talk to a comic from anywhere and we all have similar things that we're all sort of like you know it's sort of like i mean i've listened to like you know just comics talking to other comics podcasts you know and it doesn't matter where they're from but we all have similar things that we can all relate to but i mean i figured it must be like a bit of a, a relief to be able to talk to people that aren't comedians yeah, that's why I love talking to you. 
It's. Uh, I saw that coming. That's why I stayed quiet. I saw that, that coming. That was 30 seconds ago in my head. I just had to wait for him to finish talking. Yeah, it is. And then it's, it's, there's not that pressure to be constantly funny and you get to really dig and you get to see, you know, how cool it is to really dig into what drives these people to do that stuff, you know? Um, and it's interesting. We had a couple NFL players on where like, was it your goal? And, and the guy's like, I never wanted to be in the, I just wanted to keep playing, right. get as good as I could get and then play until I couldn't play anymore. So oh. the, the drive of individuals and to see the commonality of these people that really push themselves, you know? I, do, is there any chance that you, you ever want to uh, speak to uh, Bill Goldberg? I'd love to. Because uh, I always found it fascinating, like when he was at the peak of his like WCW wrestling run, and he'd be playing in the South, which is where WCW wrestling was really big. And so you'd have these stadiums of like these Southerners, which, you know, has a bit of a history of anti-Semitism, but they would be chanting the name Goldberg mm -hmm. like, as he was coming to the ring. And it was, you know, he had a really impressive entrance, you know, he'd be coming out of the locker room and he has like, um, hi, Dave, this is Goldberg. Stop <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> Listen here. Yeah. But, uh, he'd be, uh, yeah. And he'd, he'd be, he'd come to the ring surrounded by cops. And it was like that one moment. It's like, Oh, well, these these cops aren't here to protect Goldberg. These cops are here to protect the fans from Goldberg. And yeah. so he gets to the ring and it was just, but these, just these Southern hillbilly fans are just like, Goldberg, Goldberg. <laughs> the irony there was always, uh, was always such a treat for me. Was, it's amazing how when minorities are really good at something, people still rally around them. But it's like, you look at LeBron where people be like, shut up and dribble. Yeah, right. It's right. weird how that transition occurred, you know. Well, it's like too with uh, uh, like like uh, Freddie Mercury and um, who is it from Judas Priest? Rob, Rob Halford. Halford. It's like those two guys. You know, you look at the old footage and you're like, how did we not know that Rob Halford was gay? I'm like, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. In the what was it, the Breaking the Law video where they're yeah. all like, is it? Or there's some Judas Priest video that just screams. They're in like a, they're working out and and he's singing yeah. Yeah. duds and leather, but he was a good enough performer that no one seemed to give a shit that he was gay. Yeah, I remember in Breaking the Law that video where it's just him at a rest stop blowing a dude and he keeps looking up. I'm breaking the law, breaking the law. I no, I think that was living after midnight. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to say anything, but after midnight anything goes. But yeah. All right, Dave, uh, Dave we got to wrap it up because I know Aaron's got to go and we got a heart out here, so. All right. Thanks, guys. What a treat. I miss you both, and uh, I hope to see you. I'm going to come up to Canada once uh, I'm allowed to. Yeah, I want to get down there. Just, and uh, things are good at the Kumia Network? Everything's great. Compound Media. Uh, we're going back. We're doing a theater October 2nd and 3rd in Atlantic City, the, the Celebrity Theater. And uh, it's like it holds 600, so by law you can get about a quarter in there. Yeah. So it'll be so good to get indoors again. You know, there's yeah. little places where you can get indoors. And right. October, I'll be back indoors. So I'm excited for that. And got so much new stuff, too. It's so fun to do it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's a couple of clubs here where they have the plexiglass in front of the uh, stage. And yeah. the lighting is, you just end up looking at your own reflection. Yeah. Which is yeah. so oh, boy. Which is so yeah, I just I just did Ottawa, and you literally are looking at three of you just staring back at you the way the plexiglass well, is. Uh, nice. The narcissism level of every yeah. comedian is sort of oh. skyrockets, and you're just sort of like, listen, I love myself. Don't get me wrong, but sure. uh, 
I don't want. I just want to see. I just want to see what I look like killing myself from three different ways. Can I do this on stage? <laughs> you getting a bottle thrown at you from three different angles? Yes, yeah, sure. And I get to see the oh, 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 oh. oh. Yeah, all right, all right guys, okay. I can look for a piece of paper with it already written on it. Okay, I know it's, it's not a lot to say, but yeah, we're good. We're good whenever you're ready to go. Hey, I'm Diana Francis, and you're listening to Anything Goes on Sirius FM. Excellent. Oh, see, you should have written we it down. Wrote it down. Well, I see, yeah, I don't. No, we got it. going to say for you to either stop what you're doing or change your style or your tone like probably not much you'd probably anything that you got told is bad you'd probably turn the crank up even farther on it you know you know what i like to do i like to watch something then look at what the critics say to see if they match my opinion so when i watched true detective season one it was amazing. Then I went and looked at all the reviews. They said it was amazing. Then I watched season two, and I thought it was a fucking dumpster fire. And then I went and read all the reviews, and they said it was a dumpster fire. That's the only way I use criticism for when I watch things. I generally don't look at them before I watch it. It's always after. Yeah, I, well, I, I sort of do the same thing. But I also think yeah. that you have to, if you're going to look at what a critic says, yeah, make sure that you read it. I just remember there was that movie, uh, do you remember that movie, Anaconda? That yes. came out years ago. It was really sure. terrible. Yeah. But I read a review of it, and and the guy, you know, if you just looked at it, it was like Anaconda, and the guy gave it five stars, but he loved it so much because it was so shitty. Right. So if you look, if you just looked at the five stars, you'd be like, yeah, I'm gonna go see this. Mm -hmm. But then if you read the review, you'd be like, okay, I gotta prepare myself for. I love watching. Shit. I love watching uh, movies that have like one star reviews on mm -hmm. Amazon Prime. That's my. I love. A really good shitty movie like Titanic is amazing. Uh, there's some other like Amazon Prime has so many on there. They're so yeah. good. You just go look for one star rated movies and watch one. And some of them are painful and you can't watch them, but some of them are just so bad they're good. Or you even, say even Titanic like, two? Yes. Yes, Titanic two. Well, how did, how was that possible? Oh, did it's possible. They, they made another boat, another they Titanic, and sailed it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's it. it uh, Sean and Sean LeCombre and I watched when we were in uh, Vancouver doing House of Comedy, and it was like one of the best movies I've ever watched. <laughs> well, right. watch any any of the any of the trauma movies. They're they're not great movies, but they're funny and they're they're bad in a good way, like Toxic Avenger and all that stuff. It's great because it is kind of cheesy and schlocky. I know, but also you like you, it's, there's always a moment too where you sort of like. Did the director think that like this is his masterpiece? Or like maybe, maybe there's always that moment too. But I've always said for any shit movie that's out there, there's someone and that's their favorite movie. So sure, yeah. There's I mean, like a documentary about the worst movie of all time, Troll Two or whatever. Yeah, and it's awesome just hearing people say how much they love this shitty, shitty movie. Right. Yeah, but it's kind of like that Tommy Wiseau movie, The Room. You know, it's sort of like. I mean, everybody embraces it because it's so shitty and terrible. Oh, yeah. And, and then, but it, I, I still think the maker of the movie hasn't clued in. No. He's just, he's just loving the fact that people love the movie. Of course. No matter what they're saying. Oh, yeah. So, um, All right. I got to go. Okay. Well, next time, Kathleen, we have to have a big discussion about what's the difference between 
downloading porn and downloading movies and music. Cause I don't download anything. I pay for stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know you do, but there's a huge downloading market and there's all this and free sites out there. I don't necessarily, okay. I mean, I like everyone to get their own money, but uh, anyways, we'll have to, we'll talk about that next time. We'll talk about next week. Okay. Bye. And shaving assholes. Okay. All right. With it. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Kathleen. All right.